You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Jonathan Capehart sits down with Washington Post correspondents and columnists to discuss the surge in COVID-19 cases and the calls for New York Governor Andrew Cuomo to resign. Let's listen. Good morning. I'm Jonathan Capehart, opinion writer for The Washington Post. Welcome to First Look, Washington Post Live's one-stop shop for news and analysis. We're going to talk about the coronavirus and the the Delta variant, but big unemployment numbers came out. And so let's bring in Washington Post White House correspondent Anne Guerin to talk about that and a whole lot more. Anne, welcome back to First Look. And I think you're I think you're muted. I couldn't hear you. Oh, um, can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. And don't okay. worry, I did the same. I made the same mistake a, a little while back. Um, it's great to see you. Um, the unemployment numbers literally just came out. So um, um, if you don't have any insight, that's fine. But let's tell everybody: nine hundred forty-three thousand jobs created, which is higher than um, the experts expected. Unemployment rate dropped from 5.9% to 5.4%. You cover the White House. How excited do you think the Biden administration and the president in particular um, is by these numbers? Uh, Extremely. I mean, there were uh, a lot of of, uh, high expectations for these jobs numbers. We had a good uh, jobs report in June, and the White House was certainly hoping uh, for another uh, one that they could uh, characterize as blockbuster. This is obviously good news in getting people back to work and uh, pandemic recovery, and it helps to blunt uh, the bad news uh, from the Delta variant. And certainly there will be some problems in these reports, as we've seen before, in terms of exactly who is returning to work and the problems that some employers continue to have in finding enough workers. Uh, But from the White House perspective, it's better to have that problem than so many people out of work entirely. Right. So let's talk let's talk about the the coronavirus and the fact that we are now in what appears to be a fourth surge. A month ago, President Biden declared that we were close to independence from the coronavirus. Um, And now we are seeing the surge in cases because of the variant. How is the Biden administration responding? Well, Jonathan, I think we're seeing the Biden administration uh, responding in a a way that is starting to look a little bit like the very first months of the Biden administration in total, right? I mean, the, the president came into office saying that we were on a in a war and that he expected to be on a wartime footing. Uh, And we are seeing now uh, case rates that are on par with the numbers of of Americans getting sick in February before vaccinations were widely available. And although, you know, this has been a big blow to the president and his agenda and his plans for, as you you say, liberation from uh, the virus, liberation from the pandemic, uh, they are beginning in a variety of ways to return to that kind of wartime footing. Uh, it, the, the question of what the administration is doing about the pandemic has dominated uh, the news at the White House for two weeks now. Uh, the daily briefing is uh, you know, mostly questions about the pandemic and, and what the administration is going to do about a variety of, of issues, including the questions of mandating vaccines, uh, what parts of, of the federal workforce and other aspects that, that the White House has some direct control over uh, will be required to uh, take vaccines and so forth. 
And, you know, that obviously a lot of other things uh, they're managing as well, but you just see the amount of time and brain space being devoted to managing what the White House had seen as a receding problem only a couple of, of months ago, and you really get a, a picture of how different things are now. And, and, and for lack of a better uh, description, it seems as though the, uh, the president in particular is taking a more aggressive stance when it comes to dealing with governors. And our, our colleague, Annie Linsky, wrote last night that the administration is considering using federal regulatory powers and the threat of withholding federal funds from institutions to push more Americans to get vaccinated. How likely is it that the administration will move forward with this? And what have the early conversations been like? Yeah, uh, that report from Annie and, and Tyler Pager uh, indicates that the White House is looking at, at taking some pretty strong tactics here, right? I mean, we've gone from uh, a, a approach from the White House that was essentially like talk, like, talk nicely uh, and urge people to get the vaccine. We have this fabulous tool available. Everybody should go get it. Uh, this is, you know, we are, we are, this is within our power to do. Uh, to then adding some carrots, uh, paying people to get uh, vaccinated, for example. And now we're really on to stick. If you don't get vaccinated, here's what could happen to you. Uh, and the White House is treading extremely lightly uh, in, in the sticks portion of this conversation, not least because we already see the, the political divide uh, between states that are largely Republican. Uh, those are also the places where uh, vaccine uh, resistance is highest. Uh, and then now the places where the uh, the pandemic is raging the worst. I mean, all these things are are overlapping. And President Biden still wants to be the uniter, uh, wants to be the, the president who brings bipartisanship back to Washington. He doesn't want to unnecessarily alienate the uh, Republican politicians from, from those states. But you can hear and see the frustration uh, that that he's dealing with right now when he, he you know, he goes back to step one in, in that progression. Look, we have the tools to fix this. Why would people not want to use those tools? Uh, and, you know, he, the question of exactly how far he takes the federal mandate is one that, you know, I think they are, are have not reached the end of that conversation. We don't know how that mm -hmm. ends, but we've seen the beginning of some ways that they are using the federal powers, including uh, requiring uh, federal employees and contractors to be vaccinated or submit to a lot of rigorous and unpleasant uh, testing regimens if they refuse to. Right. So the Fed, so th this discussion about, um, you know, going the federal regulatory route is is one instance of the administration being quote unquote aggressive in dealing with this. Also, the president himself has been a little has been a little less reticent to take it to those governors who are standing in the way of doing something uh, about the pandemic. I'm thinking of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, Texas Governor uh, Abbott. Uh, how likely is it that we're going to see the president? continue to go after them, maybe not by name, but certainly by, you know, not so well-disguised inference. Yeah, I mean, uh, Biden has been trolling DeSantis really hard this week, um, and and it's funny, and you know, we all know we all know what he's doing here. There's a certain wink, wink aspect to it. But those two states, 
are you know pulling the country in the wrong direction and that is the the president's message here is that you know leadership in those states could do a great deal uh, uh that that they're choosing not to do and in, and certainly in the case of of DeSantis in particular uh president biden is being quite clear that he thinks DeSantis is is working in the opposite direction they the white house would immediately come back and say yes but we still want to try to work with Governor DeSantis. And certainly when the president went to Florida uh, uh, some weeks ago to uh, tour the, the devastation at, at Surfside or talk about the, uh, the, the devastation at Surfside, uh, he sat next to Governor DeSantis and, and worked with him. Uh, they praised one another for, for their response to that disaster. Uh, so, I mean, the idea that all hope is lost, I think the, the White House would say uh, is, is you know, not right. But on the question of, of pandemic response in particular, I think to answer your question directly, it is extremely likely uh, that President Biden will continue to go after uh, Governor DeSantis directly, uh, Governor Abbott as well, but, uh, and, and possibly by name directly, uh, as well as sort of by inference. Uh, one last question for you, and that is, get, I saw a chart this morning on television about the COVID, the the cases in Florida, and the bar, it's like a roller coaster, but now the upswing is higher than it was at the peak at the beginning of this pandemic. Do you know if there are any discussions within the administration about the potentials for lockdowns? There's one thing to say mandate vac vaccinations or plead with people to get vaccinated or tell people to start wearing masks again. It's another to then say to folks, we need to lock down again. Are there discussions? Do you know? I, I don't know the extent of those discussions, but we do know that uh, the White House is looking at all options uh, to, to respond uh, to the Delta variant and, you know, the potential for, for other variants uh, beyond if uh, they can't get uh, ahead of this surge. And, you know, there's still time for this surge to, to crest and then uh, start to ebb. That is actually what uh, other countries saw, India and, and the UK in particular, when the Delta variant, uh, you know, really uh, tore through those countries. It also ebbed fairly quickly. There's some hope that that will happen here. But yes, the White House is looking at anything and everything if we are still in this kind of terrible uh, situation in, you know, some months' time. All right. And Garen, as always, we're out of time just when the conversation starts getting good. Thank you very much for coming to First Look. Have a great weekend. You too. Uh, and I want to apologize for the, <laughs> for the sirens that are going by in this. Let's go to the opinion side of the Washington Post, where we'll find Washington Post columnists Eugene Robinson and Jennifer Rubin. Eugene, Jennifer, welcome back to First Look. Thanks, Jonathan. Good to be here. Happy Friday. Thank you. All right. So, Jennifer, I'm going to start with you. Um, let's talk, before we get to coronavirus, the unemployment numbers. Huge job jobs um, jobs number, 943,000. The unemployment rate fell a half a point from 5.9 to 5.4%. From your perspective, good news, obviously, for the economy. What do you think the Biden administration is thinking about all this? 
They probably won't admit it, but I think there's some cartwheels going on during uh, <laughs> through the halls of the West Wing because they've been in a bit of a slump for an administration that really has um, had a high level of competence, um, very few slips. They've had a little stretch of bad news here. Um, they had, um, of course, the coronavirus. They've had the slip up with the extension of the eviction moratorium. So it's not been a great news stretch for them. Um, and something like this, which shows that his overall approach um, of um, really kind of flooding the zone with resources, aggressively going after the coronavirus actually does pay off, I am sure is of great solace to them. Now, they will be quick to say, um, if you get them um, speaking um, quietly and off the record, that this really does not account for the last couple of weeks of the month in which the coronavirus and the Delta variant really took off. So they may be a little bit restrained publicly in touting these numbers um, because what comes one month may be taken away um, mm -hmm. the next. But I got to think this helps them and it helps them right now as they're in the middle of negotiating the final stretch of the bipartisan infrastructure bill and also the reconciliation package uh, with fellow right. Democrats. So uh, good news for them uh, at a time they really need it. And you know what, Jane, actually, that's a very good point that Jennifer raises for the administration. These numbers could not have come at a better time. No, that's absolutely right. I noticed that, that uh, President Biden is now scheduled to come out and speak about these numbers at 1030 this morning. So when you get this sort of prompt um, uh, appearance by the by the president in front of the TV cameras to talk about unemployment, uh, employment numbers, uh, you know, they're they're good for the administration. The administration really wants to trumpet them. I don't I, I, I I'm not sure Jen, that there's going to be much restraint uh, in the way the <laughs> Biden administration talks about them because uh, they, as Jonathan said, they couldn't have come at a better time. Uh, and if you get a whole half point drop in the unemployment rate, you get a better than, you know, like 100,000 better than uh, expected uh, jobs number, um, th that you're, you're going to trumpet that uh, to the heavens. And I think that's what we're going to hear from the administration today. Hey, Gene, do you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to sneak to look to see um, where the president is going to give these remarks at 1030. Do you happen to know, is, is, is it going to be in the Rose Garden? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, I just saw the update to the schedule, um, All right. uh, and uh, but I didn't notice exactly uh, where it was going to be. So we'll see. Well, I'm, a, I, Maybe right, can, I'm only asking because if it's in the if it's in the rose garden, that leaves a lot of room, Jennifer, for those cartwheels you were talking about. But Gene, I want to <laughs> I, I want to stick with you um, and as move the conversation to the coronavirus pandemic. New York City announced that it'll become the first major American city to require proof of vaccination to enjoy indoor mm -hmm. activities, performances, going out to dinner and such. Um, should other cities follow New York's lead here? Well, you know, I think, yes, I think they should. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure that a lot of other cities will. And, um, and let's be honest, this will, um, this will go over really, really well. Uh, with some people, uh, and um, because 
somehow the virus has become politicized, uh, it will be hated by other people and seen as an assault on their freedom to, I don't know, to to have pizza, um, you know, in the Frateria of their choice, uh, and it's going to be um, uh, it's going to going to become a, an issue of conflict. Maybe less so in New York City, which um, I, I, where I think most people um, will uh, will think it's a good idea, uh, and will think it helps uh, uh, let people get back to something like their normal uh, their normal lives. But uh, I think in there are there are other cities where. Uh, it wouldn't be as as universally mm -hmm. accepted. I you, you know, Jennifer, do you think what New York City is doing, will it work or will it just further vaccine hesitancy and cause people to rebel against compliance because they feel like their freedoms are being taken away or infringed upon? I'm just going to go on record because I already have. Tough. Your response. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm in the tough club, too. Um, listen, most people in New York City are already vaccinated. So there's a certain symbolism here. They, you know, it's a very progressive city, a very high numbers of people vaccinated. So I'm not sure it's going to sway too many people. Um, there may be employees, there may be some few hangouts, uh, holdouts who have said, well, I really don't have time to get it. But now that I really have to, OK, I'll go get it. I think what's significant is that we've kind of shifted attention now, in my mind, a very good thing, um, from imposing restrictions solely on those people who have been vaccinated to really putting some pressure on people who haven't been. And I think that's why the switch in the direction, the guidance on mask wearing um, came so hard, because those people who got vaccinated felt like, I've already done my part, and now you're right. telling me they'll have to wear my mask. Now you're telling me I have to go backwards. And so I think the administration um, is sensitive enough to know that there's a real frustration out there and that the 60%, now we're up to 70% of adults who are vaccinated are really in no mood to go back to this. And what about those other people? And so I think the philosophy is both um, smart. You have to begin to um, use some sticks along with those carrots, but it's also mm -hmm. politically pretty savvy because the majority of the country is vaccinated. And even in those states like Florida and Texas that you're talking about with Anne, where the governors are very uh, much opposed to this, if you look at the polling out of Florida this week, 62% of Floridians want mask mandates. It's remarkable. So even among um, red or purple states, um, this is a pretty popular thing to do. Um, it may not be popular on um, Fox News or in uh, Republican quarters, but it's a, a pretty good right. play for the, uh, for the White House, and it may be the only thing left to do. You know, Gene, I'm just wondering now, so now we talked about what the public sector is doing. Now it's the private sector. We work for yeah. a company that is, you know, we have our, a vaccine mandate. You want to come back to work? You got to show that you've been you've been vaccinated. Um, there's a story. There's a story about um, three employees at CNN who were fired because they came to work unvaccinated. Should the private sector keep moving forward with vaccine and mask mandates as a requirement for people to return to the office? I think they absolutely should. I mean, I, you know, I, I welcomed the, the, the Washington Post mass uh, vaccine mandate. Sent a, sent a note to, to our publisher uh, applauding the decision. I, um, 
I, I saw this morning that uh, United Airlines is going to have a vaccine mandate, and there are you know some companies that are doing it, but 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 Amazon, another huge employer, is not having uh, a mandate, or certainly not yet. Um, so I look, I think the private sector can play uh, a hugely constructive role here um, by by saying, look, we aggregate a lot of people in one space uh, on a given day. And uh, and especially with the Delta variant with being so uh, contagious, um, we really need everybody to be protected and therefore get vaccinated, period. Um, and and I, I think that the, um, at least the experts are telling us that that sort of push um, does make people go get vaccinated. Um, uh, every little bit helps. And, and mm-hmm. this is like a big bit because, you know, I mean, this is the condition of employment at the Washington Post now. And so that's a big push. Right, right. Uh, let's switch gears in the time that we have left to talk about the big scandal up in the Empire State. Jennifer, if memory serves, in addition to being a, a, a writer, a journalist, you're also a lawyer. Yes. Right? Okay. Yes. Uh, so, a recovery get, lawyer. Right. But still, <laughs> you went to law school, you've got the degree, so you're a lawyer, whether yes. you're practicing or not. So therefore, yeah. how much trouble is Andrew Cuomo in, Governor Cuomo? He's in a heap of trouble. Um, and I don't mean just his <laughs> job. Um, you have four district attorneys from four different counties in New York investigating for possible criminal prosecution. Um, These are serious, detailed, highly substantiated claims um, by 11 people. We're not talking about one or two, we're talking about 11 people. Um, And as the legislature, the state legislature moves towards impeachment, um, these other investigations are going to go forward as well. Um, And we're talking about assault, we're talking about um, not just civil claims, but criminal as well. And this is a really um, ignominious end, uh, not only to his career, but to one of the um, great political families in America. Um, Our uh, colleague Matt Bai writes about the end, essentially, of this dynasty, the Cuomo Uh family. So this is really, you know, the guy who went from battling COVID um, to someone who had a few problems because maybe he wasn't being so candid about the nursing home numbers to a guy who's headed out the door and maybe need to lawyer up with some criminal defense lawyers. Wow. Um, Has his career and his fate uh, turned around. He's in a lot of trouble. He's handled it poorly. He was defensive. He was aggressive. He was attacking the women who had come forward. He did not help himself. Um, and it was quintessential Andrew Cuomo being Andrew Cuomo. And that's why right. he's in the trouble he's in. Right. And why he doesn't have any friends anymore um, long before this. But of course, Gene, we're talking about this because the New York State Attorney General released a damning damning report um, about the 11 substantiated allegations of sexual uh, misconduct, harassment uh, against the governor, including, you know, notes from their meeting with the governor and what he had to say about about the allegations. The big question now is you've got the entire entirety of New York state Democratic establishment saying to the Democratic governor of New York, get out 
resign or you will be impeached. I'm just wondering, do you think that Governor Cuomo, given you know, the, the, the dynastic nature of that family, his father was governor of New York. The family is synonymous with New York. Do you think he'll resign or will he just, you know, as Joy Reid said last night on her show, thug it out and allow himself to be impeached and removed from office? Well, Jonathan, first of all, you know more about the, the Byzantine ins and outs of New York <laughs> state politics than I do. But um, but uh, it, it looks right now as if he intends to thug it out. Um, uh, he's, he, his response to the um, to the allegations was uh, uh, categorical and uh, combative, really. And uh, he says he's not going anywhere now. Um, one, one thing I do know is that if the uh, if he is impeached, if in, impeachment is is voted by the assembly, um, apparently at that point uh, he steps aside and the lieutenant governor assumes the the mm-hmm. the powers of the, of the governorship, um, and that is a uh, that's a, a huge uh, handicap for him as he tries to wage this battle because, um, you know, once he steps away, uh, I think there's absolutely no way he comes back. Um, mm-hmm. Whatever happens with the impeachment, I just don't, I just don't see. So that is the, that is the key. And what he, what I imagine he is doing is trying to work um, his political uh, allies, if he has them left uh, in, in, in the assembly, trying to keep them from voting impeachment. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll see how that works out again. New York state politics is, is a, is a black box to me. I really don't <laughs> understand how Albany works. Gene, New York state politics is a black box to those who even report on it. Um, they're always finding <laughs> little corners and things that it didn't know existed. And to your point about the state assembly, right now on the record, a majority of the state assembly has has gone on record saying that the governor should resign. But also to your point, if the governor is working the phones behind the scenes to try to whittle that number down, um, we will soon see um, how successful he is. <clears throat> Excuse me. I also want to point out, um, Gene, because you broke the news that the governor, I'm sorry, that the president of the United States is going to be speaking, um, uh, delivering remarks on the July jobs report. I do now have a location. It is not the Rose Garden. <laughs> it will be, those remarks will be delivered in the East Room. And I just want mm-hmm. to p- point out to everyone that there are high ceilings in the East Room, so plenty of room. Yep. To do, <laughs> to do cartwheels. cartwheels. So with that, <laughs> yes, cartwheels, backflips, whatever the president can manage. Eugene Robinson, Jennifer, Jennifer Rubin. I almost called you Jennifer Hudson. <laughs> Jennifer That's okay. Rubin. I'll take it. <laughs> we are out of time. As always, thank you for coming to First Look. Have a great weekend. You too. You too. And thank you for tuning in. Go to WashingtonPostLive.com to register and find out more about our upcoming programs. I'm Jonathan Capehart, opinion writer for The Washington Post. Thank you for watching First Look on Washington Post Live. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.